So, last time we were talking about things being labeled. We talked about uh, manners being something that's created by our societal conditioning, being merely labeled, and yet we attach another value onto it besides what the action merely is. Maybe somebody's licking their bowl or they're slurping. So it's just an action, they're just a sound, but we give it a meaning more than that is really there and think the meaning exists inside the object and then, you know, think these people have really bad manners. What? What? Da, 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 da. Okay. Yeah, what we're looking for is we're using how we discriminate good and bad manners as a way of seeing how our mind imputes or how our mind projects things onto things and then we forget that we've projected and we think that they have the qualities from their own side. So for example when we see somebody slurping or licking their bowl like in Tibet which is a sign of good manners we think that from its side it's a side of bad manners. Okay, but there, there's no such thing as good manners or bad manners inside the action because the slurping is just a sound and the licking is just an action and there's no meaning in it aside from what we give it as a collective community. So this is, you know, really when we're talking about giving meaning to things. We also talked about money and how we give all this meaning to, to money and, you know, it represents success, it represents status, it represents approval. You know, all it is is paper and ink. So, I mean, these are, are really kind of clear examples how our mind gives a type of existence onto things or a type of qualities onto things uh, that they don't have from their side. Now, if we look deeper, we, we give their very, ex we impute this kind of existence to them as if they have some kind of essence from their own side. And so we see things as what we call independently existent or inherently existent, meaning that they have some essence from their own side that makes them them, some kind of independent something or another that makes them the unique object that they are. And everything we perceive in our life, we perceive this way. You know, we believe it has some kind of characteristic or essence in and of itself. And so when, you know, we walk in the room, it looks to us as if, you know, this book has been sitting there and from its side it's a book. You know, its being a book doesn't appear to depend on anything, doesn't. You know, we, we walk in. There's an objectively existing book. We can measure it. It's this many inches and, you know, that many centimeters. And it's a book from its own side. That's how it appears to us. You know? And so we relate to it as if, as if it has some essence of bookness to it. You know, it's a book. It's not a kangaroo. It's not a, you know, it's not a napkin. It's a book because it has some essence in it. And yet, if we try and look for this essence, this definable quality that makes it it and not no other thing. You know, if we're looking for this independent essence of bookness, then we only have two places to look for it, either within this object here or as something separate. Okay? So within the parts, 
or is separate from the parts, within the basis or without, you know, outside of the basis. And there's no other place that we can find some kind of essence of book besides one of those two places. But when we examine and we take the book apart and we start looking at each different part of it and you turn the pages, you know, you can't say this page is a book and you can't say that page is a book and this one isn't a book and this one isn't a book. You know, the color alone isn't the book and the, the rectangularness isn't the book. So if we try and find one single defining characteristic or one single part that we can identify as being the book, we can't find anything. You know, if we, if we took it apart and put all the sheets of paper and the cover all over there, you know, we wouldn't call any of those things a book, would we? Yeah. And yet, when we look at this thing, it looks like there's a real book there from its side. But when we look in the parts, we can't find anything that's a real book. Now, some people may say, well, the whole collection of parts together makes the book. But if none of the parts itself is a book, how can you get a bunch of things that are not books, put them together and get a book? It's like taking a bunch of things that are not apples, putting them together and getting an apple. It doesn't work. Okay. So we, we can't say that, that within the collection that there's an inherently existent book either. Because if we look at the parts of the collection, none of them are a book. And the collection itself is just something that's made of parts. Okay. So there's no book inside the basis here. And if we look for a book, this inherently existent book, as something separate from the basis, separate from the covers and the binding and the pieces of paper, then what are we going to point to? Can you find some kind of spiritual bookness floating around, you know, so that when finally this thing gets published and bound, then the book sinks into it, and now it radiates book thereafter. You know, there's no such thing. Yeah? Aside from the paper... And the cover and things, there's nothing else we can point to as being a book. So what we're getting at is when we look for this, this defining characteristic of bookness, you know, this essence of book, this book that exists from its own side independent of any other phenomena in the universe, we can't find that in, in the parts and we can't find that separate from the parts. So then the only conclusion we can draw from that is, doesn't exist. Okay? So there's there's no kind of book quality, book essence, either within this or without that. So what we're getting at is our whole way of perceiving this book, the whole way this book appears to us, the whole way our mind grasps onto this book as existing, is a total hallucination because when we analyze and try and find the thing that appears to us, we can't find it at all. Communicating? Okay. So what we're looking for is the inherently existent book, which we can't find in here at all. But simply because we can't find the essence of book, okay, doesn't mean that there's no book that exists whatsoever. 
because there clearly is something here that is a conventionally existing phenomena that functions, that we use, that we talk about. We can't say there's no book because we use it. Okay, so what we're getting at is there is a book, but it's not an inherently existent book. It's a dependently arising book. And so that makes the book empty of inherent existence. Okay, so we have those two things existing simultaneously. The book's emptiness of inherent or independent existence and its existing as uh, a dependent phenomena. Those two things exist simultaneously together here. Okay. So what we call those two things is the ultimate level of truth and the conventional level of truth. The conventional level being that it's a book that depends on causes and conditions and parts and it functions. Okay. The ultimate um, level is that it's completely empty of having any kind of independent essence. And those two things come together and one cannot exist without another. Okay. You cannot have a dependently existing book without it being empty of independent existence. And you can't have the emptiness of independent existence of the book without having a functioning, relatively existent book. So this is also quite important because otherwise people have the tendency to think that emptiness is some kind of ultimate reality that is out there and that emptiness itself is inherently existent. Yeah. And, and again, this is really refuted because when we look for emptiness as something that we can now grasp onto and say we got it, again, it eludes us also. We can't find it. Emptiness also exists by being merely labeled on a basis. That's all. Okay. Now, we say, oh, well, that's very, very nice. Okay, what else is new? The difficult point in this whole thing is, like I was saying last time about the child, if we imagine a child who was born with sunglasses on, who never realizes that they're seeing everything dark because that's the way things have always appeared to them, well, that's the way things have always appeared to us as inherently existing. And we don't realize that we're having this false appearance. We don't realize that our mind is grasping on for something that ex that to exist in a way in which it doesn't exist. And so this fact that we don't recognize what it is that's the false appearance, that we don't recognize... Um, what the object to be negated is, the thing that's appearing to us that doesn't really exist, this is the big difficulty for us. Because we just assume that everything exists the way it appears to us. Yeah? And so it becomes real difficult for us to discern what is that element that we're projecting, you know, that is falsely appearing, that, that doesn't re really exist there. And so it's only by a lot of time and, you know, really looking it over that we begin to get a feeling of this. Okay. Now, if we're going to relate this to the person, okay, think of some person that you really have some very strong emotions for. Maybe somebody you're incredibly fond of, that you're very attached to. You have really strong emotions for this person. Now, when you look at that person, or even you just think of that person, it seems like there's a real person there, doesn't it? 
you know. I mean, if we walk in the room and we look around, you know, there's Train and there's Stephen and there's Lori and there's Caton, and they all look like real people who have the essence of Trainness and Stephenness and Loriness and Catonness coming from their own side, okay? You know, that's when we meet people, it seems like there's, you know, there's some, something inside them that makes them them, that doesn't make them anybody else. Like there's some kind of, you know, permanent person or unchangeable quality or, or some, something that is the person there yeah, that carries on from one moment to the next that is either, you know, like in the, if we think of a person that we're very fond of, you know, some something that is that person that really is so incredibly wonderful, so incredibly, you know, fantastic and trustworthy and wonderful and talented and da-da-da-da-da. You know, it really appears to us that there's something inside there. But And so, again, we take that image, you know, this inherent existent person, this like soul, it's almost like a soul we're looking for, you know, some essence of, of the person. Yeah, And if we were to start to analyze and look for what is the thing that really is that person, you know, when you look at somebody and say, I love you so much, what is the, th- what is the you that you love so much? Okay, or I hate you so much. What is the you that I hate so much? And we start looking. And, you know, we start looking for the you when we say I love you. You know, looking for the person, looking for the self. And and here again, there's only two places to look for it. Either within the body and mind, okay, of that person, or as something separate from the body and mind. There's no other place. It's either got to be in there or it's got to be someplace else. There's no third place it can exist. Okay? But when we start looking for that, that thing that is the person, you know, and we start looking through all the parts, the body and mind, can we find them? You know, so we sit and we look at their body, and you go through every part of that person's body, and is the person, you know, in one part of their body? Is the person one part of their body? You know, is the person the brain? Is the person their skin? Is their person the eyes? Is the person the kidneys? Is the person the little toes? You know, what is what is the person? If you scan the whole body, what? You know, is there one part that you can grab onto and say, that's the person. That's it. There was a conference of uh, some scientists with His Holiness. And the scientists, uh, His Holiness, <laughs> was asked them a very interesting question because they were really into saying there's no such thing as mine. There's only the physical body. That's all there is. And so His Holiness said, well, if somebody's brain, you know, was on the table, their brain was just sitting there, would you look at it and say, that's the person? Would you say that's the person is there? You know? I mean, you wouldn't, would you? Yeah, if somebody's brains were sitting there, you wouldn't go, hi, George. <laughs> yeah. That would probably be kind of disgusted, if anything. And we certainly wouldn't look at their brains and say, I love you so much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Would we? So if we look, you know, in any part of the body, we cannot find one part of the person's body that is them. 
that we that we can say is is really this wonderful person that 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 we we're so fond of. So we can, we can't find it in their body until we think ah well maybe it's in their mind. Okay, it's their mind I love. But then again, which which part of their mind? Do you love the visual consciousness that sees color and shape? Do you love the the auditory consciousness that hears sound? Do you love the gustatory consciousness that uh, tastes, or the olfactory consciousness that smells, or the tactile consciousness that touches? Okay, or the mental consciousness that thinks, or the mental consciousness that sleeps? You know, is it the mental consciousness you love? You know. Well, maybe the mental consciousness. Well, maybe, you know. Well, well, then which mental consciousness? You know, the mental consciousness that's sleeping? The mental consciousness that's angry? <laughs> yeah. The mental consciousness that's dying? The mental consciousness when they're a baby? The mental consciousness that's thinking about mathematics? What mental consciousness do we love? We think, well, no, it's not the mental consciousness. It's their qualities. Well, which quality of the person do you love? You know, do you love their happiness? But they're not always happy. You know, do you love their anger? Do you love their integrity? Yeah. Do you love their faith? Do you love their compassion? Yeah. Do you love their laziness? <laughs> yeah. Do you love their judgmentalness? When we start looking at, you know, all the different mental events or mental factors that arise in a person's mind, again, we can't isolate one of those and say, that's the person. That's the thing that I love so much, you know, because all those mental events, none of them are constant, you know. They come and they go and they come and they go and they're different all the time. You know, and if we're looking for this thing that is the person, this essence of the person, it's got to be something that's that's permanent and unchangeable. Yeah, because something that's there one minute and gone the next, we can't say that's the person. Okay, so when we look inside their mind, we can't isolate one particular mental event or mental or consciousness or anything and say that's who that person is. Who they always have been, who they always will be, that's them. Okay, so we can't, so the person isn't their body, the person isn't their mind. And so then we think, no, the person lives separate, you know, the person is separate from the body and mind. The person is some kind of unchanging, permanent soul, you know. And then again, you have to say, okay, well, if there's this permanent, unchanging soul, what is it? Yeah, if it really inherently exists, if it's out there as an objective entity, then when we analyze, when we investigate, when we search, we should be able to identify something that is it. But what are you going to point to? You know, in your real close friend, your beloved one, you take away their body, you take away their consciousness. Is there something else there? Yeah, what are you going to point to if you take away their body and take away their mind? What can you point to that's them? And if you could point to something that's them, that means that their body and mind could be here, and they could be over here. 
Have you ever seen that? Yeah, the person's here, but their body and mind are over there. 